0: I'm Haney. I'm Simon. No, 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 I'm not. I'm Alexander.
1: (laughs) We are Knee Deep in Tech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 230, recorded on June 6th, 2023. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on KneeDeepInTech.com, iTunes, Spotify and on most podcasting platforms.
0: Indeed. And we still haven't found Simon.
1: No, he's still missing.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he is out there doing something, but we, we don't know.
1: Maybe he's somehow tangled up in fabric or something.
0: Is it going to be one of those episodes? Yes. Isn't it always? Well, in, in a way, so dad jokes... And the likes are horrible, and Finnish dad jokes are even worse.
1: <laughs> what are we going to do? A competition of whether Swedish or Finnish dad jokes are worse?
0: No. Um, okay. But I'm sure that your your um, your boyfriend would love to be part of it.
1: <laughs> Definitely.
0: <laughs> so this is the uh, the focus episode where we are going to talk about Fabric. Uh, So Microsoft Fabric was released during build. And this is one of these enormous bet the farm kind of things that uh, have come out in in later years. And I'm going to start with explaining what Fabric is. And this, this, this kind of feels exactly like when we introduced Synapse Analytics. Kind of, well, this just came out, this is enormous. Let me, let me break down what Synapse is. Yeah, but let's do Fabric instead. So Fabric is almost everything we have had in Synapse for quite a while. So we have um, Azure Data Factory. We have something called Data Engineering, which is Spark. Spark and Lake Houses. We have Synapse Data Warehousing, which is sort of kind of the the um, successor to the dedicated pool, and also in some ways the serverless pool. I'm, I'm going to speak more about that in a second. We have Synapse Data Science, which at the moment is a pale shadow of the things that we can do in, in Synapse. It's going to get there, but th- this is the uh, the the uh the part that is far from finished. We have set up real-time analytics, which is essentially Event Hub and Stream Analytics and such, and Power BI. There's also another part that is in private preview right now, but it was announced at, at uh, Build as well, and that is called the Data Activator. And Data Activator we have not had previously, and I'm going to come back to that in a bit. Underneath all of these things, we have the one lake. And the one lake is, for the sake of the argument, a data lake of a normal variety, an Azure data lake storage that we've had and loved for quite a while. The difference here is that we take all these things and we package them into a nice ball. We call that ball fabric. This brings a number of pretty interesting things. One is, it's a SaaS service, it's software as a service. That means that you create a Fabric environment and boom, you have all these things. You can, if you want to, I've uh, an F SKU inside of Azure you can turn it on and you can turn it off. So you can literally turn on and turn off everything inside of Fabric. So. You, you used to go into powerbi.com. Now you go into fabric.microsoft.com, and if you used to be a Power BI user, you you're going to find everything exactly where you left it before build. You just have a number of new buttons to change personas, and personas that that's a kind of an important um, thing that we didn't have previously. So this means that it is the same portal, Fabric. .microsoft.com, that you do everything in. Sort of kind of like the Synapse workspace. But remember, you had um, resources outside of Synapse. Now you have everything inside of Fabric. This also means that you have just about zero knobs to fill with. You create a Fabric um, resource. And you run your stuff inside a fabric. There is nothing to increase or decrease or turn on and turn off. Almost nothing. And that's the point of a sas solution. And of course you can have more or less horsepower. So F2 SKU is the smallest SKU. 250 ish dollars All the way up to f 1024, I think. So it goes 2, 4, 8, 16, and so on and so forth. And F64 is the functional equivalent of a P1 SKU, if if you want to look at uh, the old Power BI parlance. And just to confuse things, you can either buy Fabric through Azure. That's the F SKUs. You can view them as the old A SKUs of Power BI meaning that you, if you create an F SKU, you have everything you had in an A SKU, including embedding things into your application if you so desire. Or you can buy Fabric through a P SKU. A P1 gives you everything you had in Power BI for a P1 before built, plus all the really funky and cool stuff that you've got in Fabric. So P1s are kind of awesome suddenly. so. What do we get out of this more? Well, since everything is now enclosed in a a walled garden, if you will, suddenly we can make a few things work that, let's just say, were difficult previously. Let's take an analogy. Uh, Self-driving cars. Why do self-driving cars keep crashing into shit? Well, because of people. People keep doing strange things that the self-driving cars have not seen before. So what if we said, well, everybody or nobody is going to be using self-driving cars. If everybody was using self-driving cars, we would have zero issues because the cars would behave exactly like the other cars would expect. And you can say that Fabric is finally doing the same thing for governance. Suddenly, Lineage will work because everything is inside of Fabric, right? So lineage, security, all those things will work inherently better, simpler, because everything is inside of Fabric. That, I think, is a pretty interesting uh, opportunity and also one that requires you to think slightly different about how to, to do things. Any any thoughts or any comments so far?
1: I think it is a little bit... I, I've I've had the chance to get to know the Fabric side already for quite a while. So in a way, I've had a, a little time to digest it. But in a way, it feels like it is a bit of a like... A, you need to shift the perspective a little bit because it's not exactly like Synapse. So if you're coming from the Synapse world, you cannot just like expect it's going to be like before which was what mindset I had in the beginning when I heard about this first during the preview phase. Uh, but also you cannot really expect it to be like Power BI is the same as before either. So it's you have to shift this uh, perspective and it takes a little time to wrap your head around these different services of the data engineering and things like that. But then there's also the actual s- resources, services that you find under those that enable to do something with the data. So at least for me, it has felt like a bit of a mental shift of how do I even
0: think about this. I I absolutely agree. And as I, I alluded to in the, the previous episode, people have felt and still feel very much to this day overwhelmed. And I absolutely get that because I... I've been been in the the preview for quite a while. I had a decent idea of what was coming, and still it hit me like a train. I I didn't know where I was in relation to this. I didn't know what was going to happen. Is my job going to change overnight? Uh, am I obsolete? All those thoughts went through my head, and the short answer is no. I'm not obsolete just yet, but <laughs> as you said, it requires a shift, and my mistake was the same as yours. We brought preconceptions. Yeah. We've been at this for so long. So we, we have a pretty good idea of what a d- data engineer is expected to do. And let, let's let's play with that idea for an instant. What does a data engineer do, in, in your view?
1: Uh yeah. well, in my world, <laughs> a data engineer is one who uh does a lot of the data integration, and even maybe sometimes data modeling. But I would say that in Finland, in a lot of organizations, the roles of data engineer and data analyst, for example, over, overlap quite a bit. So it's not a very clear distinction between, for example, those roles to begin with.
0: Also a very good point. It's, it's pretty much the same over here in Sweden. Would you say that a data engineer is expected to understand the security aspects of, of data integration, the networking uh, configuration of of uh, Azure Data Factory tooling and that kind of things?
1: Not necessarily.
0: Who would you say is, is responsible for that?
1: A lot of times there's some kind of architect who comes around that is like, "You these must be, or a security person who comes, hey, these are our security requirements. It should be how they are set. But I do think that with, you know working in the cloud, also those roles have expanded a lot. And actually, there is more and more requirements for a data engineer, for example, to be able to configure figure the networking stuff
0: correctly. In, indeed. So most people that I talk to uh, say that the, the data engineer is responsible for getting data from point A to point B, mm-hmm. but it's more like a plumber, um, meaning that you, you need to somehow connect source to sync using whatever piping and fittings that you need yeah. to get the data from point A to point B to, to make it flow. Fair That's enough. a very um, infrastructure centric view. And that is not a view that really works in in in, in fabric. Because no. in fabric a data engineer I was about to say only there's nothing only in this no. <laughs> solely works with getting data from point A to point B and and reformatting data and, and massaging data and, and and making the data in a format and creating a format that will be used downstream. So mm-hmm. it's a much more data oriented way of looking at it. Meaning that if you're a infrastructure oriented data engineer, you're going to have a hard time in, in fabric because 80% of yeah. your work do disappeared. That is so true. That's kind of interesting. And these these are like the the things that are are coming. DBAs. I I came into the database world in in 1997 and I one of the first things that I was told was that yeah, don't do databases because the DBA is <laughs> going to be obsolete, right? And in fact, I did a complete keynote at the Data Saturday Stockholm this year, where I discussed the uh, apparent obsoleteness of the DBA. Um, and it turns out that, well, we're still here 25 years later. So no, it's gonna, not going to be obsolete any anytime soon. But stuff like creating databases, setting up a data warehouse, all those things, configuring the dedicated pool, sorting out Distributions—that's a wonderful topic—and you can find probably thirty sessions on the topic of properly distributing data in in a dedicated pool, and all of them will drive you crazy. That's gone. There is yeah. nothing in dedicated pool you need to do. Well, not only because dedicated pool doesn't exist anymore, but the um, yes. the so the 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 um, the next step, if you will, the. We used to have dedicated pool, which was a very old technology, extremely fast under the right circumstances, but it was old. And we used to have the serverless pool inside of uh, Synapse. Serverless builds on an engine called Polaris, and Polaris is essentially decoupling the SQL engine from other storage. So that's why you can run SQL on top of uh, CSVs or Parquet files, for instance, in, in Synapse. It turns out that they've reused the same engine. It's still Polaris, but it's Polaris Plus Plus, if you will. <laughs> um, so it's incorporated on steroids. A lot of, <laughs> on steroids, yeah, you could probably say that. It it incorporates a lot of the really cool stuff in um, dedicated pools. It's still a multi processor and an MPP architecture, but it is also decoupled. So I'd say that you get all the. The good stuff from a dedicated pool with the really good stuff from a serverless pool. So again, you literally have one or two clicks to create a data warehouse. And this is unheard of for the last, well, I don't know, 40 years. Mm-hmm. That's not how you make a data warehouse, but that's how you make a data warehouse in Fabric. Again, it's not about the infrastructure. It's about the use Um, you've heard me go on many, many times about stuff like nobody wants a data warehouse. And I, I stick to that. Nobody wants a data warehouse. Everybody (laughs) wants the output of a data warehouse. And that is the focus here.
1: Yeah. And, and the thing is we all in, in like the technology field, I do feel like we all want that there are actually these bigger leaves where we make things easier. And I do think Fabric has the potential for that. But at the same time, because I I like the infrastructure side. I like networking. I like all the knots, you know, making things fit together. I like figuring out those puzzles. So for me, it's also as well a little bit like, oh, can't dabble with the difficult networking anymore. What am I going to do here? But I'm sure I will find something else to dabble with. But, you know, it's a little bit of a shift that, well, it's all that isn't needed anymore. I can actually go in and focus maybe more on the data side of things, figuring out how to make that function the best way possible. And that is, of course, where we really want to spend our time with in data projects. We don't really want to spend the time with networking, to be honest.
0: Well, do we? Really? Really? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the, the politically correct answer is we want to focus on creating value, right? Yeah. But yeah. in practice, it can be really, really fun to figure yeah. out why DNS broke this time as well. Uh, yeah. so uh, that's I, true. I can I can get both sides of, the, of that uh, discussion. Yeah. And and that kind of brings us to the, uh, the personas. Everything is available through the Power BI portal. And if you so desire, you can give anyone the keys to the kingdom. And and literally overnight, someone who has been dabbling in Power BI suddenly find themselves in the space shuttle. Because if you're used to flying gliders, well, maybe you are not qualified to fly the space shuttle, even though it is the biggest and heaviest glider that was ever designed. And one of the things that I, I talk to people last week, they said, well, all these things are available for me now. Does that mean that I need to learn all these things? And I'd say, no, we have the personas. We have the data engineering persona. We have the data warehouse persona. Uh, We have the the, um, uh, Azure Data Factory data integration persona. These are in a smaller organization. Sure, there's probably going to be one or two people doing most of these things. But that also means that you cannot dig as deeply as, as you would in a larger organization. <laughs> but the Power BI people should stick to what they do best. Data modeling, doing analysis, doing reports, that's that's their thing. Data engineers should probably not design reports. I say probably, but you get where I'm, I'm going with So <coughs> we still have our our tasks, but instead of having to work through 30 different tools, everything is now through one portal, and you can switch the personas very, very easily. This means that while it will be easier to do governance because everything is included in the same portal, it is also 10 times more important to do governance, because otherwise it is, again, literally you're pulling the pin and handing the live grenade to some poor soul, that have no idea what they're doing. Take a Power Query in Power BI. It's a super powerful tool. But previously, there was only so much you could do to shoot yourself in the foot. Because you can use Power Query to bring in a lot of data into Power BI. That's cool. Now you can do the same thing, but you can sync it, put it physically into your one leg, and you can easily pull in billions of rows. Why is this an issue? Is it going to cost you an arm and a leg? No, it's not because you're paying a fixed sum for your, your compute, right? You're paying a variable sum for the amount of data you store in the one lake, but that's peanuts compared to to the compute. But you will eat up a lot of resources. So just because you can doesn't mean you should. So the cost then. Well, there, there are two ways that you can buy this, as I as I said in the beginning. Either through the F skus, which again are the same as the A skus. These are created in Azure. It's a resource called Microsoft Fabric. Click, click, click. Boom. Tell, tell uh, Azure where you where you want it, and and off to the races you go. That's it. That is the only thing. It has literally one button: pause this capacity or resume this capacity. That's pretty much it. Everything else is done inside of the the Fabric um, administration, which is again done through fabric.microsoft.com. Or you can buy it through the Microsoft or the Office 365 side of things. That's where you have the the P SKUs. So the Power BI premium SKUs. So here's a pop quiz. If a P1 is $5,000 a month Why is it that an F64 that is functionally equivalent to P1 is about $8,000 a month? It does the same thing.
1: I have no idea. Please tell me.
0: (laughs) Uh, People were screaming their their lungs out over this. And it is because you have the ability to turn on and turn off. Mm. You do not need to leave it on. So the the, the $8,000 or 8,500, that's what it's going to cost you if you leave it on for 730 hours. And there's another thing. The P-SKU, you buy um, on a yearly basis, I think. Yeah, that's true. Which means that you're pushing the price down. There will be yearly commitments on the F-SKUs as well, and Amir has alluded to that they will go down to pretty much the same price. And I keep coming back to. This is an insane amount of possibility or resources that you get for a fraction of the cost of what's out there. Let's take um, Snowflake. Snowflake is fantastic if you do not care about tech. You just want your data to to give you information, right? You just want just to stuff data in there and then... It's a coin-operated machine, so you add money, and it will produce results. If you want more Mm -hmm. results faster, well, add more money. Thing is, Snowflake is a one-hit wonder. It only does relational data. That's it. This does everything you can think of. And that brings us neatly to Data Activator. And this is something as strange as a tool that will completely upend the analytics world as soon as people figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, its power is also what makes it difficult to sell. So what Data Activator is, it's a tool that enables you to do triggers on data. And it can, maybe right now, but it will be able to, trigger off anything you have inside of Fabric. The example that they've given is, let's say that you have accelerometers on a machine, on a Fabric, uh, or fabric, on, on a workshop floor. This machine, well, I don't know, it stamps um. Why doesn't metal.
1: it make fabric. Well,
0: I'm sure it might be making <laughs> fabric. Oh god, you just had to, right? But there, there are accelerometers to uh to uh, measure how much it vibrates. Right? And you can take these vibrations and trigger off it. So if they if it vibrates too much over a certain threshold, then it is going to send you a Teams message or an email uh, or trigger any power flow, anything like that, you can do. And there will be the possibility for doing smarter analyses, like um, uh, comparing to standard deviation, for instance, to really see if this data is, is shifting over time, which is exceedingly difficult to do today. There is no code. It is absolutely no code involved here. Or maybe just to set a threshold, but you don't need to to write a lot of code to get this to work. Now, think of what happens if we take this one step further. Let's say that instead of vibrations, you are looking at temperatures in coolers, or you have meat, for instance. And not only can you use this to Give you a a holler if something were to be too warm. He's going to scream at you, Well, this, this cooler, this freezer is too warm. But you can also use the output to trigger something that will in turn increase the cooling for that specific freezer. So using this information and feeding it back inside itself, suddenly you're making use of your data. One of the, the biggest blockers that we have today is that you have all the data at your fingertips, but there needs to be a effing human looking at it and doing something with it. Enter yeah. data activator. So I can't wait to see where, where they, that thing goes. Um, it's currently in, in private preview that you can get access to if you want to. And the I don't know when they will be releasing it into public preview, probably sooner rather than later. but this stuff that i've seen is just cool and people have no idea what's coming
1: <gasps> dun, dun, dun. yes <laughs> i completely agree it's an exciting time to work in the data field i have to say things are changing fast
0: they they, they are they are and and what do we say to people uh, who have been at this for 30 years well your core skills are the same. You still know, need to know how to do data modeling. ChatGPT can give you lots of advice, but at the end of the day, you need to, to have an idea of what you wanna do. You still need to uh, write code to, to move data. Uh, you still need to, to understand what you're trying to achieve. The difference, or the main difference, is that it is much more pure. You can dispense with all the the crap that has nothing to do with the end result, and you can focus on the end result. And if you're used to working through that end result-oriented stuff, well, then it's business as usual. Somebody just took away the boring stuff. Mm-hmm. If you're used to be interested in, in focus on the minutiae around, well, then things have changed, and not necessarily for for the better, but... It's not so much better or worse. It's, it's the same. So what about the poor people that just came into this um, field? Have Everything they've learned over the, the last two years, is that gone? No, 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 no. You're, you're perfectly positioned to take advantage of this. You do not bring, hopefully, any preconceptions. That means that you will have a, an easier time getting to grasp this tool. It will be more intuitive and you will be able to, again, focus on getting stuff done quickly in a way that us old hands might not be able to. And I say old hands in, in this case because there, there have been a lot of people in, in the same boat as I have. What about you? I mean, you've only, and I, I use enormous air quotes, have been in this field for what, five years?
1: No, it's starting to be seven soon. Really? COVID years, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah, We 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 forget those, so. Yeah. Yeah. Don't count those. So, yeah, Yeah, I've been around for a while already, it seems. Just realized that one of these days. But yeah, I I think it's, well, the whole time I've been in IT, it's been just constant learning something new, so I don't think it's... Anything different than just learning something new and shifting your mindset a little bit. And the thing is that there's like all the basics are still happening behind the scenes. They are just wrapped for you and abstracted for you so that you don't have to worry about it. And in some cases, it might be even beneficial to know something, you know, a little deeper and understand how things work behind the scenes. If there are some things that don't Function in the way that you expect them to, then it might be easier to figure out why things function the w- way they do.
0: What I'm I'm super curious to see here is uh, you've used an iPad. Yes. Yes. How do you how do you open a file on an iPad? I have no idea. You click it. You don't touch it because there is no such thing as a file on an iPad. It's abstracted away. Oh Every yeah. The app has its own storage, and it, it's so obvious that you you didn't even think of it. And no. that is exactly what we're doing with the, the SaaS stuff. We're taking the, the building blocks away. You don't need to worry about that. And that means in order for that to work, you need to trust the process. And again, that's where us old hands will have a harder time because we've seen shit come and go. And let's just say that there have been a lot of promises in our tech world that maybe did not come to fruition. So if you promise something really epic, you better deliver. Uh, otherwise, trust is going to be be falling quickly and trust is difficult to to get back. So that's one of the aspects of, of um, Fabric that I think Microsoft maybe have not really thought about. And um, they're they gonna have a law hard, uh, hard time figuring out how to get people to trust uh, the process they're they're getting there and the stuff that I've seen so far have been very yeah. positive but interesting yeah. challenges
1: Yes. and I do have to say compared to some of the other public previews that have come out over the years there is a little more maturity here you think yes. <laughs> I just don't want to like pump it up too much so that people get their expectations really high, I but I I have been like really like, oh, it actually works type of effect when trying these things
0: out. I've I'm known for <laughs> for my opinions. Um and I I, I will call <laughs> things as I see them. But even I have a very hard time being anything else but I'm blown away by fabric and trust you me, it takes some doing to, to impress me at this, this level. So yeah, uh, just a tad. I am, I'm dying to see where this is going and you've seen stuff that is not there yet. I've seen stuff that is not there yet. And Mm -hmm. it's almost like if, if you thought this was cool, well, hold my beer. Yeah, we're not going to be bored anytime soon. No. Funny thing is, it's warm. I mean, today it was 26 degrees here in Sweden, which is pretty pretty darn warm. <laughs> um, and next week is going to be our last uh, real episode True. before summer. So it's going to be yes. the, the, the Knee Deep in Tech summer special and then maybe we'll do another uh, um, interview episode Be after that, but, but we'll we'll see. But next week is going to be the the summer special. So as always, if you have any questions, any anything that you want to add to to that episode, let us know. Info at needinventech.com or podcast at needinventech.com or probably just about anything at needinventech.com, <laughs> provided Simon has fixed the DNS, which we never know. Mm-mm. Well, there we have it. Thank you so much for listening. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. See you, I guess, in a week's time. And until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Need Even Tech. Need Even Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder, and Heini Hilmaninen. If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media, or via email at podcast at mediatetech.com.